This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Where is your hope this morning? All of the ground besides Jesus is sinking sand. If you've got your hope in your bank account, that can go away. If you have your hope in your health, that can go away. Um, A few weeks ago, I found out uh, my mother has a brain tumor. Um, It's uh, thankfully, um, the doctors say that they don't believe it's cancerous. Um, but she's going in for surgery on uh, Thursday this week. So I ask for you to pray for her. Uh, she's going in for surgery this week, and she's fearful. She's a believer, but she's fearful. You know, if her hope is in her health and her ability to control her circumstances, she wouldn't have anyone anywhere to stand. But she trusts in Jesus. And that is the solid rock that won't ever fail us. If your hope is in anything other than Jesus, it's sinking sand. Paul writes a letter to the Ephesian church. And um, as he does in all of his letters, uh, he begins with what, what we call uh, the indicative. Or he's, he's telling us what the truth is. He's telling us what we are to believe about God, what we are to believe about what He has done for us. He's telling us who we are in the first half of the book. And when um, eventually, I'm preaching through this at at the church where I pastor and where I'm planting. Uh, When I get to chapter 4, we'll begin with how do we live on the basis of what he's already told us that is true. Here here in chapter 1, we're beginning with what is true about God? What is true about what He has done for us in Christ? And here in chapter 3, not chapter 3, chapter 1, verse 3, he begins this kind of prayer that is a blessing. He's, he's calling us to praise God for what He has done for us in Christ. We're going to be looking mostly at verses 3 through 14, but I'll go ahead and begin with verse 1. Read along with me as, as we read from Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us 
in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantor of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace that you have been so gracious, so merciful, so generous with us. Lord, you have lavished your grace upon us. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see glorious truth and that you would open our ears that we might hear your voice speaking to us now. Father, I pray that you would be with me, give me strength, And give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You might not think this from looking at our English translations, but from verse 3 all the way to verse 14 is all one sentence in the Greek. It's kind of a long sentence. So we have a lot of information here. A lot of information, and it seems kind of all tangled together. So we kind of have to step back and see how is this all fitting together. The main point of all of that is where Paul begins. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole purpose of all of the text that we've looked at so far is, blessed be God. It's calling us to praise Him. Do you want to praise the Lord this morning? Do we want to worship Him? That's what we came here for. To worship the true and living God. 
the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be adored with all of our worship. He is not just the God of the philosophers. He is not just some distant deity out there who created the world and and threw it off to just to its own ends but he is the god and father of our lord jesus christ it specifies who god is he is not just any imaginary conception of what we think god might be like but he is the god who is revealed in the scriptures he is The God who is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And He is worthy to be praised. Why? Why is He worthy to be praised? The rest of this sentence tells us why. Because He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Now, He is worthy to be praised because He is God. He didn't have to do anything to be worthy of our praise. But he, we ought to praise Him all the more because He has blessed us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has not left anything out. He has been so good to us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He talks there about the heavenly places. I think here about 1 Peter. When it talks about, uh, in chapter 1 of 1 Peter... We have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. These every spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ are are in the heavenly places in the sense that they are secure there. No one can touch them. They're not where moth and rust can destroy them. They're not where people can damage them or destroy them, but they are safe, held in the heavenly places, in the spiritual realm with Christ. He has blessed us with all of these things. Now, what are these spiritual blessings? The first one, he says, is, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Whoa, preacher. Whoa, preacher. You're talking about God choosing us. And oh, the next verse. I see where you're going, preacher. The next verse says, He predestined us for the adoption to Himself. Oh, we don't talk about that, do we? Predestination? I want to step back here for a second. He does not reveal these things about predestination in order that we might speculate about the, the mysteries of God's will. He tells us these things in order that we might praise Him. 
It's one of the reasons He gives why we are to praise Him. We ought not think of predestination. We ought not to think of God choosing us as something that we want to shy away from. In Paul's mind, in the Scripture's mind, as we, as we see this, it is one of the reasons that Paul gives us we ought to praise Him all the more. God chose you. If you are trusting in Jesus right now, if you are looking to Him, it didn't happen by accident. He chose you. And He tells us He chose us for a purpose. He says, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. What an encouragement that that is. Maybe you struggle with sin. I know I do. And maybe you're a believer trusting in Jesus, but you have that besetting sin that just dogs you and and bothers you all the time. And you've tried and you've promised God, I'll never go back to that again. And it keeps coming back. Well, just know this. God has predestined you, believer, to be holy and blameless before Him. You may struggle now. You may struggle until the day that you die. But one day you will stand before the Father holy and blameless before Him. That is a great thing to hope in. With all my struggles, with all of your struggles, one day Jesus Christ will present us to the Father holy and blameless before Him. That's something to hope in. Then, in love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. Another thing that He has chosen us for, He has predestined us for, is to be adopted as His children. We were once His enemies. We were once rebels. We were once shaking our fists at God. We were once, as chapter 2 tells us, dead in our trespasses and sins. But God has made us alive in Christ if we trust in Him. He's made us alive and He has not only just made us alive, but He has adopted us into His family. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You are a son of God. And ladies, I'm talking about you too. You are a son of God. Why do I say that? But some, sometimes the translations want to make it uh, gender neutral and say just children of God. There's a reason why Paul emphasizes we're sons of God across genders. It's because sons are the ones who gain the inheritance. And in Christ, both men and women are equally counted in the inheritance in Christ, and we equally inherit as sons. Just a little caution there about trying to just water things down and, and gender neutralize everything. You missed something. We're sons. 
and daughters, well, sons of God, were adopted into his family. And, and something about the ancient world, when, when, uh, when someone was a, an actual natural child of someone in the ancient world, they could disown them. But someone who was adopted could never be disowned. You're stuck with them. <laughs> we have been adopted as his children. And I'm not going to avoid the whole predestination thing. It's not for us to speculate. It's to cause us to praise him. But, you know, he, he tells us here, he has predestined us to the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which with he has blessed us in the beloved. And some look at this text and others like it and talk about predestination and they see, they, they explain it in terms of God just looks down the corridor of heaven, of, of history. He looks down the corridors of history and he sees what we will choose and then he chooses us on the basis of what we've decided to do. And so it all depends on us. But here, this text tells us He has predestined us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. He has unconditionally chosen us. Not on the basis of anything good in us. Not because we were good or better. Not because we were smarter. Not because of anything good in us. Not because we, were, we grew up in a Christian family. Not because we were Jews according to the flesh, as Paul might say. He has no conditions on us. But only the purpose of His will, which He has blessed. And, and to the praise of His glorious grace. I know that's controversial. But think about it. If I can blame God, my salvation on my choice to trust in Christ, then who gets the glory? It's me. But if God has done it, apart from any goodness in me, including even my choice, He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. To the praise of His glorious grace. That's what the text tells us. To the praise of His glorious grace. With which He has blessed us with in the Beloved. If you notice in your translations, the Beloved here is capitalized. Of course, that's, some, that's an interpretive uh, thing that the translators have used, but but basically, I, I would agree with this. I think it's it's uh, legitimate to say the beloved is Jesus. The beloved is Jesus, and He has blessed us with adoption, and He's blessed us with the fact that we will be holy and blameless before Him in Christ, in the beloved. He has done these things. Through the blood of Jesus. And only that. Not through any other means, but only my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and His righteousness. In Him, verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. 
according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. In Jesus Christ, in God who has planned all this from before the foundation of the world, We have redemption. He has bought us. He has paid our debt. He has redeemed us. We owed a massive amount that we could never repay because of our sin. And He redeemed us. He bought us with His precious blood. And because of that transaction, we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Our trespasses. Sometimes the New Testament uses a word that means to miss the mark. Just falling short. Here, trespasses is a word that means to cross the boundary. We have forgiveness for when we cross the boundary. God has set up rules in which we are to live by. We can think of the Ten Commandments here. You shall have no other gods before Me. You shall not lie. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. All of these things. And we have all, because we are sinners, we have crossed those lines. We have transgressed against Him. And because of Jesus, because of the redemption that we have through His blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. Do you want to praise Him? All the, the purpose of all this is that we might praise Him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where He begins. We praise Him because we will one day stand perfect and blameless before the Father as Jesus presents us to Himself. We, we praise Him because we have been adopted as sons. We praise Him because He has bought us We praise Him because we have forgiveness. Do you want to praise Him? And He is not stingy with His grace. We have forgiveness according to the riches of His grace. And He goes on even further, which He has lavished upon us. He just pours it upon His children. Pours it upon us. He's lavish. He holds nothing back for his children. He has done so in all wisdom and insight. His plan is perfect. His plan is is and one thing, another thing that he has done so that we might praise Him, as He has made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things that are on earth. He has made known to us the mystery of His will. In the Old Testament days, before Christ had come, things were hidden. You didn't see clearly about who Christ was going to be. They had an idea of the Messiah that was to come. And and it was all there if you had eyes to see it. A suffering servant who would be called Emmanuel. 
But in Jesus' day, when He stepped in out of heaven and into earth to walk among men, they just didn't see it. It confused even His disciples. It was a mystery that was clouded. And He has made known to us the mystery of His will. That Jesus, this promised Messiah, the One who is going to come and crush Satan's skull, the One who is going to come and be the blessing of Abraham, the One who would bless all nations through Him, the One who would be David's Son, who would sit on His throne forever. All of these hints that you see through the Old Testament. And now, we have the mystery revealed. God became man. He died for us. The mystery has been revealed. We see so much more clearly than they did in the Old Testament. And all of this plan from the garden from that first sin, from the curse on the serpent. And all of that was all pointing to Jesus. According to the purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. The Gospels tell us when Jesus came, it was at the fullness of time. It was at the fullness of time. It was just the right moment when all the prophecies of the Old Testament would be revealed. And all of that is His plan to unite all things in Him, in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. I need to step back just a little bit. The New Testament and and the Bible as a whole gives us something in which we we need to see things as already and not yet. There are are ways in which things are already revealed and and ways in which we're still waiting. He has made known to us the mystery of His will, but there are things yet to come which we haven't yet seen. When I see this uniting all things in Him, in heaven, things on earth, I think of the new Jerusalem coming down in Revelation. Where you have heaven meeting earth. And you have a restored creation. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And every atom in the universe obeys the voice of Jesus. That's something to praise God for. In Him, verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance. We have an inheritance. Not that God is somehow going to die and we're going to... But we inherit something when... We die and we're raised again. We're going to inherit the new heavens and the new earth. We have obtained an inheritance having been, oh, here's that word again, predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things. Again, according to the counsel of His will. 
so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. What does that mean? Who were the first to hope in Christ? Some might look at this and think, well, it's, it's the early Christians, the disciples. But it goes, I, I, I think it's more than that. The Messiah was hoped in by the Jewish people throughout. So I think he's talking about Jews. They were looking to that one who was going to crush the serpent's head. They were looking to that one who was going to bless all nations, that seed of Abraham. They were looking to that one who would be the promised king on David's throne. They were the first ones to hope in Christ. And God's plan was so that the Jewish people might be to the praise of His glory. All of that was done so that God might be praised. And then he goes on from there. In Him, you also... Talking about not just Jews. In Him, you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in Him, and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We're not left out, Gentiles. <laughs> the, Paul was probably writing to a Gentile audience. And, and he was saying, you also, not just the Jews, but you also are fully included in this. On the day of Pentecost, you had Jews from all over the empire. They were speaking all kinds of different languages. And they all received the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that the Jews received on the day of Pentecost, every believer has. That's something to be giving God praise for. We're included. He includes all people without distinction, Jew or Gentile, black or white. He has included us to the praise of His glory. We believed in Him, and at the moment we were believed in Him, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He has sealed us with an unbreakable seal. We are His. He is our guarantee, it says next. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. How do I know that I have all this? How do I know that every spiritual blessing that Paul is talking about is mine? How do I know that I have been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world? How do I know that I've been adopted as one of His children? How do I know that I will one day stand before Him perfect and blameless? The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. He puts within us as we trust in Him, the moment we believe. Some, some talk about how, how you know, sometimes people talk about how we're saved first and then later we receive the Spirit. That's, that's not what Paul says here. The moment we believe, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, living in us, helping us. And elsewhere, Paul says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
we have the Holy Spirit giving us assurance. That's something to praise God for. He is worthy of all praise, of all honor, of all glory. He is worthy of all those because He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has adopted us as His children. He has has predestined us according to the purpose of His will. He gets all the glory for salvation. He's made known to us the mysteries that others never dreamed about. And He's put within us His Spirit. That is enough to praise God for. Now maybe you're sitting here and maybe I've missed you in what what I've been communicating. Because I've been talking about this is true about believers. And if you're trusting in Jesus, all that I've said today is about you. But maybe you're sitting in here and you haven't trusted in Christ. Paul talks in chapter 2 about your condition. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. We were once His enemies. You hear this Gospel about God becoming man and reconciling us through the blood of His Christ, of His Son. Trust in Him. I've got no worries that somebody who God didn't choose is going to somehow believe. (laughs) He's not going to turn you away. Look to Him. Trust in Him. And see all these benefits that you have, you can have in Christ. Turn to Him. Find forgiveness of your sins. Repent and turn to Jesus. He is our only hope. Everything else is sinking sand. Trust in Him. He is worthy of your trust.